morning, kind of a cloudy, dismal morning. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Shelby Christian. We're glad you're here. We want to start out this morning and teach you a new song, one that we've heard a lot. It's a great song. It's called House of the Lord. So would you stand this morning and worship with us? Shout out your praise. 
Well, I think you all probably all heard the story about the chicken and the pig, right? Walking down the street and they go by this diner and in the window it says, bacon and eggs, $2.99. Chicken says, let's go on in, let's have some, I'm dying for some eggs and bacon. The pig looks at the chicken and says, well, I don't think I want to go. For you it's a contribution, but for me it's a commitment. Well, when I think about commitment... I think about the story I read years ago, but in 1964, there was a war going on between Malaysia and Indonesia. And the Indian, or the Malaysians were being advised by the British. And the British came up with this great idea that how the, the Malaysians would parachute behind enemy lines and then come, come back and fight and grab the enemy. So they went to the Malaysian commander, the Burkas, and and told them of their plan. And Burkas said, well, I'll have to think about that. We'll go back and I'll discuss it with my men and I'll come back to you. The next morning, one of the NCOs came up to the British commander and he said, we're willing to jump out of the plane under a couple of conditions. One, that makes sure that we jump, we jump over something soft, you know, not like some big jagged rocks or whatever, maybe some water, something like that. And, and we want the plane to not go more than 100 miles an hour. Well, the British commander said, well, I don't know about that. And Burke said, well, the, the last thing we want is we don't want to jump more than 100 feet above, above the ground. And the British commander said, well, we, we usually try and make the plane go as slow as possible when you jump out. And, and we're going to jump out on, onto the jungle, so it won't be that difficult of a drop. But we usually always try to make sure we jump out of a thousand feet so when your parachute is not your parachute won't open and the bird goes oh we get to use parachutes we'll jump anywhere that's commitment commitment came when Jesus Christ at the last supper said this is the new covenant which I give to you each one of those disciples, except for one, Judas, took that commitment to the point to where they were willing to die for Jesus Christ. And church history tells us that every one of them went through trials, tribulations, and 10 of them were killed for their commitment. As we go to take communion this morning, I remind you of the commitment you take when you take the juice and the bread. It reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed for us. So I pray your commitment is deep and wide. Let's pray together. Father God, we just praise you this morning, Lord. Lord, we just ask that your spirit would just be present among us as we come to take communion this morning. May you be reminded of the great blood that Jesus shed for us. May you be reminded of all that he went through in his trials, being beaten. And Father, this morning I pray your spirit would just flow through this place, that you would anoint the worship team this morning, that you would anoint Pastor Dave as he comes and speaks to us as well. Father, may our hearts just grow in flame at the hearing of your word this morning. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
and church leaders, uh, corporate leaders, leaders of every kind all around the world. And he tells this story, one of his favorite stories still, is about a group of tourists uh, that were on a uh, two-week-long tour of Europe, going around to all these uh, cities and all these different little countries and, and just seeing things. And in one particular town, he said that they, they, they were just walking the street and there was an old man sitting in front of his little storefront. And out of nowhere, just as a discussion was going on with this guy, one of the tourists asked this guy, says, were there any famous people born in this town? Any great people, excuse me, any great people born in this town? And he said, no, just babies. <laughs> See, none of us are born great. Man, no man, no woman, no president, no great athlete, no great singer, no, no great movie star, no great whatever were born, they were born babies, and they grew into something. The Christian life is so much like that. You remember the first day? I want you to take a second. For those of you who have already, who have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you remember the day you did that? You remember the day you made that decision? Did you have it all together on that day? Did, did you know what you know now? I, I, probably not. Unless it was yesterday. Because we grow into things. We don't grow into, uh, we don't, we weren't born doctors. We aren't born lawyers. We aren't born pastors. We grow into those things. And, and so in this, this journey, this 21 days of fasting, we have to learn as we're walking this journey how to grow. And so what I want you to do this morning is go ahead and open your Bibles and we'll get to, in just a minute, we'll get to Ephesians chapter 3. We were in Ephesians 1 last week. This week in Ephesians chapter 3, starting about verse 14, we're going to see Paul's prayer for spiritual growth for people. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us today, whether it's on on campus or online. I know we've got more and more people that are having to take a break and take a pause. And so a lot of folks are online right now. We're really glad that you're there. Uh, if you could do us a, a huge favor if you're online and just type a comment in the bar so we know you're there. And that especially if there's something we can be praying for you about, you need to type it there or you'll see throughout the service, the prayer line pop up. And we just want to stay connected. We just want to know what's going on. And, and I hope that you're also joining us in this 21 day day uh, journey of prayer and fasting. And so today we're actually moving into the final week. We're two-thirds of the way through these 21 days, and we'll finish it up next Sunday. So so just, what's God teaching you? Where, where are you struggling? What areas can you see already yourself growing, being stretched a little bit, being made uncomfortable? Because there's no growth in a comfort zone, uh, there's no comfort in a growth zone. And so as we work through those things, there, there's going to be some stretching. And so with that said, let's look at what Paul says here when he prays. And, and, and he's praying for the spiritual growth of these people that we talked about last week that are in this church in, in Ephesus that was started on his second missionary journey and he went back there and spent some time and now he's writing this letter to them. And in chapter 3, verse 14, he says this, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I love Paul's words there. 
when I think of all this? Because as soon as I read that, it forced me to do, guess what? Go back and see all of what? Uh, all of, uh, what do you, what, what have you been talking about? And you go back just a little bit earlier and he talks about how we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. He talks again, like we talked about last week a little bit. He talks about to them about how they're children of the king. And because of that, they can have this boldness and this, this confidence. And, and he reminds them to stay connected to the family. The people isolate themselves from God's family. They cut themselves off. And I also love that phrase, I fall on my knees. That's what we just sang about. This is how, this is how I fight my battle. I fall on my knees. The fact that Paul knelt tells us that this is no ordinary prayer. Here's why. The Jewish people typically prayed standing up. You know, Jesus even talked about when you pray, don't stand on the street corner. And pray so that everybody, because that was the typical posture of prayer, at least that day for the Jewish people. But, but kneeling, kneeling meant that they are like begging, that they're pleading, that they're, they're coming for God and kneeling before someone puts them in a place of honor. So kneeling before God was really their, their significant way of this, this is a big deal. I just want to come. I just want to come. In, in a way of submission and humility. So I'm, I'm going to take a few moments this morning and, and, and see the things that Paul prays for that I think could help us grow spiritually. The first thing is where the power comes from. Let's continue reading. Look there now in verse 16. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Paul prays for an inward power, something from the inside, kind of almost like a a little bit from a spiritual standpoint, like the Avengers that that have all these different innate powers from his end. He said, I'm praying that out of you, from the inside, there would be this power. And this has been, this is actually kind of a constant prayer that Paul prays for a lot of the different churches that he started on those missionary journeys that we talked about last week. In fact, in the book of Colossians, Colossae is another town that he visited, a church started there. In chapter 1 of verse 11, he said, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need, that you may be filled with joy and always thanking the Father. See, wisdom, as we talked about last week, wisdom is not expressed just in words. Wisdom, when best exhibited, wisdom reveals itself in action more than just words. Sometimes we we plunge and we get excited about something. I don't know if you've ever gotten excited about something. Maybe it was a a craft and all of a sudden you got so excited about it. I remember back in in, a couple decades ago, craft uh, scrapbooking was the thing. I mean, everybody was scrapbooking. They were starting stores, scrapbook stores. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I thought it was scraps. But anyway, they, it's like they, 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 it's like stores and people were like going into it. And now there's, I guarantee there's a lot of people with closets full of scrapbooking stuff. Or maybe it's another hobby. Maybe it's golfing or hunting or, or boating. And now you're into bigger hobbies, you know, and all of a sudden we get into something, we jump headlong into it 
and maybe we haven't thought about it. We plunge into an activity. See, just doing as much as we can to please Christ, jumping into that activity alone, all that is is motion. It's not action. It's not really the kind of action that that God wants that Paul's pleading for. It's like this has got to be empowered powered by the spirit it's got to be led by the spirit so our activity needs to be spirit-led our activity for god needs to be spirit-led because when it is then it truly has a purpose it truly has a focus and why are you doing what you do? i don't know it's the right thing to do and sometimes we need to get we need to get to the point where we've got a purpose in our study we have a purpose in our prayer we have a purpose in our service that we know this is where this this is going somewhere and it's very specific you know we can get caught up when we pray we can get caught up a lot of times when we pray with him god just tell me to be a better person quit copping out what is it that needs to happen, that needs to change? God, forgive me of all my sins. Quit copping out. Which sin? What is the purpose? And that happens, and we can see that when we're truly powered by the Spirit. We, we see the evidence of, of power to speak with boldness, with courage, with inclusiveness. We see these people's lives being changed. In the book of Acts, there's a story of an old crippled man. Uh, hands are outstretched and and he's just begging and begging and and peter and john come along you can read about in acts chapter three and peter stops and looks at him and the, the man looks up at him and he starts asking and begging really for money and, and a lot of you know that story or peter says silver and gold have i none but in the name of jesus christ i command you to get up and walk you know, which is more important? What's the greater purpose? And that guy, as strength moved through his, his legs and his ankles and his feet, and the man didn't just walk, he jumps up and begins, as the, the Bible says, to jump and to leap and to praise God. You know, people, Peter understood was, yeah, I could probably give you some money, but that's not going to change your life. But I got something that will. I, I, I can introduce you to someone that will. And to get his attention through the name of Christ, he was able to provide healing. And that had that man's attention. And he began praising God. See, when we are empowered by the Spirit, we are able to do more than we can even believe will happen. And so to grow spiritually, for us to grow spiritually, we have to be powered by the Spirit. All right? Let's go back to our text, because there's a second thing that Paul says in here as he's praying. In verse 17, he says, Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. 
You know, Paul prays now for an inner presence. God would be at home in your heart that would truly be living in some, some places seriously that Christ may dwell in you. So it's not just living. It's not just existing. It's really dwelling. It's like, it's the, the attitude or the spirit of, uh, of John 1 when Eugene Peterson translated the message and he says, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And came and dwelled in your life and became part of who you are and what you believe and your everyday existence. His dwelling gives you the power to understand because I love the phraseology here. It says how it's rooted in God's love. Make a home in your heart that your roots will grow down into God's love. Some of you guys have traveled out west. And some of you have seen some of the huge sequoia redwood trees i mean they are enormous and and there's the one that you've probably seen pictures of that is so big that they've actually carved a tunnel through you could drive through the tree it's that big of a massive tree do you know anything about the root system of those sequoia trees trees that are over 300 feet tall you would think would have roots that go all the way through the earth but the biggest trees on the planet have some of the shortest root systems short in terms of the depth that they go down but the way that they go out is enormous in fact the only thing that keeps those massive trees standing is not their individual root system the only thing that keeps those trees standing are the root system of all the other sequoias around them because those roots go down no more than in, in the biggest cases about 10 feet deep 300 feet tall trees, roots 10 feet deep. How do they stand up in the wind and, and all the things of the northwest that, that come through there? How in the world does it work? It's because their root system only goes down 10 feet, but then it goes way out. And they start interweaving with all the other roots of all the other sequoia trees there. And now they're bound together. It's exactly what the Bible talks about when it talks about a, a strand of three, a, a bond of three strands is not easily broken. It's that being connected down deep enough to get to the source and then connected to other believers that are being rooted in Christ as well. And we're holding on together. I mean, back in the day when we were allowed to fill a room like this, can you imagine if this room was filled and we all just joined arms together, elbows together? You remember when we were kids in school? Remember that game, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, we do, and the whole object was to come as hard as you can and see if you could run in between two people that were locked arms. And it was hard to do. Sometimes the biggest kid couldn't get between two little kids because there was strength. There was mutual strength together. That's the image that I think Paul wants us to see here. That when we grow into God's love and keep us strong and allows us to hold on and stand tall even in the biggest storms in life. Oh, the roots got to go down a little bit. They can't just be on the surface of the ground. But once they get down there, then they start spreading out and linking arms and connecting with other believers. I think Paul was praying for all of us to be deeply rooted in Christ and link to each other together to stand strong because to grow spiritually, which is what he's praying for, to grow spiritually, you have to be powered by the Spirit, but you have to have roots in God's love. 
Let's keep moving. It's not going to take us long to get through this today. Let's keep moving. Verse 18. The third thing he actually prays for is that they would understand God's love. We may need to land here a while. Because sometimes we struggle with that. Well, how does a loving God let you fill in the blank? How does a loving God let this happen? How does a loving God, why doesn't a loving God do? Well, look, look what he says here. Paul prays in verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should. Here's what you need to understand. How wide and how long. And how deep his love really is. Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever, maybe it was a romantic relationship that didn't work out and your heart was broken? Maybe it was having to say, see you later to someone who passed from this life far too early in your mind and and your heart was broken. Maybe it was a child or that just didn't, things just weren't working out and your heart was broken. Maybe it was a, a co-worker that you saw some things that going on in their life and you tried your best to warn them and, and, and your heart was broken. Did you ever stop loving them? Even when those, some of those people may have done all kinds of things against you. I think what happens more times than not is when our heart gets broken, it's when we're loving the most and when we see things that maybe another person doesn't see. Now, elevate that to God's love for us. Have you ever broken his heart? Have there ever been things in your life that you you stepped outside and you knew you knew this isn't the wise thing to do. It's not the smart thing to do. It's not even what God called me to do, but I'm going to do it. And, and How do you think it makes God feel? The, the broken heart of a creator. And yet he still keeps loving. It's one of the earliest things. Some of us, some of us that grew up in church, like, you know, from the, the day we were born... And we started going to Sunday school, vacation Bible school, children's church, youth groups. One of the first lessons we learn is in song. And we sing deep and wide. Deep and wide. That's how much God loves it. His love is deep. His love is wide. His love is long. His love is tall. It's ever-reaching. The imagery of him forgiving our sins as far as the east is from the west that's massive, massive love. And he does it even when we don't receive it well. One of the things Paul told the, the Roman church, he said, and this is how God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinning, not once we got it right, not once we came forward in a church, and once we changed our life completely, but while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. That's how it had to be. Because, because if we weren't still sitting, Christ wouldn't have needed to die for us. If we could change all those things on our own power, in our own strength, in our own loving way, 
Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. And so here in this passage, he reminds them of how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God. Wide enough that covers the breadth of the world. High enough it covers the the greatest moments, the ultimate highs of life. And deep enough that it reaches down to the lowest points that you've ever felt. And once again, in the book of Romans, there in chapter 8, Paul says something amazing. He tells us, tells the Roman people, in turn tells us, that there is nothing that we can ever do or that can be done to us that could separate us from the love of God. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I mean, think about that. If God is for us, who could ever possibly be against us? You know what that tells me? That no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, no matter who you did it with, no matter, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, before we leave this, because it's part of the understanding, all right? Before we leave this, those of us that are parents that know what it's like to, to, to watch things that aren't great and maybe kids making bad choices along the way, and yet we still love them, in the midst of that, do we sometimes have to discipline? Obviously, the answer is yes. That we, nothing can separate us from the love of God, but nothing can separate us from the consequences of our choices as well. We've got to deal with that. And God steps in and says, eternally, eternally, you can be with me. Earthly, there might be some stuff you got to deal with. You know, things, Happened for a reason. That's what everybody loves to say. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You know what? A lot of times the reason is we did something stupid. That's the reason. And sometimes we just got to deal with that. But know that we're never separated from the love of God. Because to grow spiritually, you've got to be powered by the Spirit. You, you've got to be rooted in God's love. And you've got to understand God's love. And let's look at another verse. Verse 19 tells us, may you experience. Not just, here's the, here's the difference. Look at the difference between 18 and 19. Verse 18, he says, may you understand God's love. And now Paul prays for it to go to a different level. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to just understand fully. You, even when you start understanding some, you'll never understand it fully until you're there with him. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This time, Paul's praying for inner provision, for the complete, uh, for us to be complete with the fullness of God. Because although we can never be separated from God's love, as I said, there are times when our choices cause us not to experience the fullness, but to be brought back into it. That's the beauty of God, trying to bring us back into it, trying to take the mess that we've made of things and put it back together. And sometimes it's difficult for us to do. 
Sometimes our life and putting our life back together, sometimes we can just make some obvious choices and we can fix that, okay? We can just fix that. But a lot of times our situations find themselves kind of like that thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle that we can't find the last two pieces because they got sucked up in the vacuum cleaner and they're no longer with us. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You're looking under cushions and under couches. You're actually sticking your hand down in that crevice in the couch that you really don't want to do because you don't know what you're going to find. And you never find the jigsaw puzzle piece. God says, when those pieces are missing, I'll help make new ones. I'll help fill in the gaps. I'll help you through that moment. See, as we truly begin to understand the extent of God's love for us, we'll be able to comprehend that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. In the 1800s, a group of women got together to study the Bible in, in Dublin. And they were puzzled by the words of Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3, 3 says this. It says, he shall sit as a refiner and purify the silver. And, and so one of the ladies in the group promised to, to call on a silversmith and say, what, what's, the, what's the meaning of this? How does this apply? How does this verse of scripture apply to what you do as you were refining the silver? So she went and started telling the, the object of her, her question to this silversmith. And, and, and he, she said, but dear sir, do you really sit while the work of refining is going on? He responded this way. He said, oh, yes, madam. I must sit with my eye steadily fixed on the furnace. For if the time necessary for refining is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver is sure to be injured. Not really knowing what he meant by that, the lady kind of, shook her head and started to leave. And he said, oh, oh, but wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing. I have to pay attention so that I can know when it's ready because I'll know when it's ready when I can see my image reflected in the silver, in the heated silver. See, when we growing in Christ the way we need to grow in Christ, the image that we should see is the image of Christ. That's the image people should see if we're being refined by the fire, if we're learning to experience God's love, people should be able to look at us and and see the image of Christ being reflected in how we live. And in and not just how we exist, but how we really really live, knowing a hope that is beyond anything that this life could understand or or measure. See, for us to grow spiritually, we have to be powered by the Spirit. We have to be brought into God's love. We have to understand uh, God's love as we're rooted in it. And then we have to experience God's love. Let me ask you a question. And I don't need you to raise your hand, but I, I want you to think this through. Have you, have you ever in your life, experienced God's love? 
And if you have, have you told people about it? Have you shared that message? A message of hope. The message that says in the midst of some of the worst things that that people could possibly imagine, I felt God's love. And they need to hear that. Because some people today, if I ask the question, there's a lot of people in our, in our city, in our county, that if I said, have you experienced God's love? Their answer would be no. Now, when forced, they might be able to think about it and some stuff might be brought to the surface. But for those people that are struggling, believing that there is a loving God, they need to hear your story of when you experience God's love. Does that make sense? Because they need to know that there's hope. And the way that they find hope oftentimes is in someone else's story. Until they can have a story of their own. Until they can see the story of their own. Let's wrap all this up. Finish all this up. All right. John Newton once said this. He said, I am not what I might be. And I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I had hoped to be. But I thank God that I am not what I was. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. So, are you being refined? That's kind of what John Newton was describing, a a refining that was going on in his life, that it wasn't complete, but he could see the process, he could see the progress. So, are you refined? Are you changing? Can people see the reflection of Christ in you? Or have you given up on him changing you? One of the saddest stories I ever experienced is two or three times in my life when I've had people look me in the eye. People that I know that I already had a relationship with look me in the eye and say, Dave, I'm just too far gone. I've messed up too bad. There's no way that any of this stuff could ever apply to me. Not after everything I've done. See, what they didn't understand is the extent of God's love. They had, they had no understanding of it because they hadn't experienced it. And Paul's saying, I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for anybody. I, I want you to understand I want you to be empowered by the Spirit and be rooted in God's love and understand God's love. And then he said, most of all, I want you to experience. I want you to experience God's love. And remember all these things that we've talked about today, they're all in a prayer. They're all in a prayer of someone who wants his disciples, his followers, to follow him as he follows Christ. And so he finishes the chapter this way. He finishes his prayer this way. It's the, it, it's the epilogue. It's the ending. He says, now, to, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think or some translation say or imagine. Glory be to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who could do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. 
See, neither God's love or his ability, his power, none of that stuff are limited by my understanding. I'm not sure I'm glad. If God was limited by our understanding of him, that'd be a sad story, wouldn't it? But to know that no matter how doubtful we are, no matter how hurt we are, no matter how broken we are, no matter how low our understanding is, it doesn't limit his power. And he wants to share that with us. And so if we trust God and we're grounded in his love, we can discover restoration, healing in our lives and in the lives of the people we care about, healing in relationships that we're involved in. Guys, the bottom line is this. Change is possible. Growth is possible. But for that to happen, we got to make room for Christ to do more than we could possibly ever, ever imagine. To his glory, for his kingdom. Amen, and amen, and amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing a final song of praise. And as we sing the song, the challenge is to just to make room for, for God to be able to do something in your life that you can't even imagine him doing right now.
your first time that you've ever worshiped with us we're really glad we've got a gift for you out at the i'm new wall in the lobby uh today at the 11:30 hour is week two of our uh three week uh, theology 101 uh series and so if you want to hang around or do something and come back 11:30 for that also financial peace university begins february 2nd uh, pat and cindy murphy have a table set up out in the lobby if you're thinking about doing that you need to stop by there and find out how to sign up ahead of time and get all your materials so you can hit the ground running on February 2nd. So they're out in the lobby right now. You can stop out there and see them. Last week we talked about, or this whole time we're talking about prayer, but last week I mentioned uh, that Terry Orange needs uh, a few more volunteers to help with the prayer warrior ministry, which is a group of people that pray during each worship service all through the month. You have one service one week a month, uh, and so if you'd be willing to help with that or with the prayer patrol if you'd be willing to help with that come see me and i'll give you terry's cell phone number uh you can call him and he'll get you signed up for that uh and then the next pathways will be february 22nd uh the fourth uh tuesday night in february uh this past week we had several people there we had seven folks uh committed to membership and so we're excited about that more on the way uh and so just be watching for the sign-up sheets they'll be out this week uh online and on the website and everything to sign up for pathways uh if you're interested in that i mean i'm glad you guys are here keep praying for people keep praying for for lives to change keep praying for health um, because a lot of, as we all know, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, so we're going to pray and trust God uh, that he's bigger than anything that goes on here. Amen. And that he can handle that. So until we see you again, let's love God and love people. Let's get out of here and go change the world. See you guys next week. <coughs>